Welcome to the Bill Bennett Show, the podcast that takes a look at the news of the day. We have thoughtful conversation about things that matter. Joining me today is our friend Seth Leibson, host of the Seth Leibson Show. Heard daily on KKNT 960 AM in Phoenix. You can hear him online at 960thepatriot.com. Stay current on the threat posed by China with our friends at Committee on the Present Danger China. Go to presentdangerchina.org, presentdangerchina.org. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. Show. All right, Dr. Leibs, what's troubling me? Simone Biles. I'm bothered by it. I know this is the kind of thing you would say, don't criticize that young black woman. That's just not, you know, what you want to do. And I understand. But for Pete's sakes, she's a professional. She's a champion. She's a goat, as we call it. Greatest of all time. And she says, well, I'm just too too psyched up. My head's just in the, not in the right place. Well, you know, okay, then don't compete. But the whole world applauds her. I don't understand why the whole world applauds her. Because there's a massive hypocrisy, and this will be an inter... Or at least a disconnect, a cognitive disconnect in public policy. Bill, this may be a case of the patient teaching the doctor, but... Uh, Last March, I recall really well you and I writing several columns in Fox News, Real Clear Politics, and we were talking about the mental health of our society and our children that was going to be dramatically and negatively affected by the mediation strategies having to do with COVID, particularly on our youth, particularly when you give them social and emotional and psychological whiplash by closing their schools and closing them off from their social and athletic and after-school activities, not allowing them to see friends, tutors, perhaps even go to religious services. We talked an awful lot about mental health. The assistant secretary of the Department of um, Health and Human Services, Dr. Eleanor McCants-Gatz, kind of like you, had two doctorates, a PhD and an MD. She gave a major speech on the mental health effects that were going to affect our children. I read it as my monologue verbatim without any editorial and YouTube banned it, banned it for a year. This assistant secretary of health and human services on the mental health effects of our children. Whence comes all this sudden newfound attention and care and concern for mental health when it's a 24 year old competing on behalf of the United States? I say if I can summon my Bruce Willis, welcome to the party, pal, but be a little consistent. And now let's focus and take your concern for Simone Biles, this young adult, to the rest of our youth, which are about to go through another holy hell in school, I'm afraid. Okay. Um, Is that a fair response? I don't know what to no, say. I, no, you know, I don't need a lecture on the importance of mental health any more than you do. You've been talking about it for our no, children no, for no. 50 years. No, no, I, I got it. It's a great response to a larger question, but it's not a right, fair response to the question I asked. Well, let me now give you a fair response. Okay. I think, I think the fair response is welcome to something that you've quoted before, and it's the thesis of Philip Reef over at the University of Pennsylvania, the triumph of the therapeutic. But there's something more to it, I think, a plus factor, which is the I and the my is more important than the community and the group. And that's been a problem in our culture since probably the 1950s. I and me, my truth is more important than the truth. My feelings are more important than the team effort. My views of America are more important than the rest of America's views of America. There's not only a triumph of the therapeutic, there's a triumph of the personal and the personal pronoun. 
thing. The ego. The triumph yeah. the ego. That's a better way to put it. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, closer. Closer. Okay. <laughs> I'm getting there. I'm still the student. I'm still the student. No, I, I think mine is simpler. And I want Claude to enter in on this. Claude, uh, before you heard me, what, what's your reaction to the Simone Biles thing? Yeah. So, you know, the Simone Biles thing, to me, you know, I, I'm leaning on her. I'm easy on it. I mean, she's won over 30 medals. She's performed under pressure. She's performed with broken bones in her foot. She's, I mean, she's, she's, she's done this before. And if she feels as if she doesn't have it for whatever reason, given the nature of what she does, I mean, if I'm a basketball player and I'm going through something mentally or psychologically, you know, I can't hurt myself by missing a free throw. She is in the air twisting. And if there's something about it that doesn't feel right at the last two things she's done, I mean, she did a pole vote in the Olympics and in a floor routine. And you could tell like, she just, she had this look on her face in midair. She didn't know where she was and she can really hurt herself by doing that. And so if she decides that, Hey, I just don't have it right now. And it's something that I can't, I can't relate to because I don't have these challenges that, that she seems to be having right now or the Naomi Osaka. I don't, I don't have it. So I can't really relate to it, but I, I trust it because they've been there before. It's not, the pressure's getting to me. It's I've done this and I've won these gold medals and, and, you know, many consider me the best to do this, but I don't have it right now. And for her, I mean, there are like four moves that gymnasts do now that are named after her because she created them. She knows, you know, she, she, she's really good at it. And if she feels as if she doesn't have it, I kind of, I kind of trust what she feels. I trust what she says, you know? Okay, good. I'm glad you said that. Cause that's kind of the counter position. My, 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 criticism really well i guess it is of her but it's of the world that gets back to uh seth's point you know we're all in it now welcome to where we've been right Right. willis line again welcome to the party pal let me lay lay out my case not laying the weeds here okay don't don't go to the olympics then don't go to the damn olympics i mean this wouldn't be your first burst of mental worry i would think um you know this is the first time in uh 12 years of competition that she's had these doubts. Just don't go the, but, but here's the team. Let me give you the analogy. And you tell me what's wrong with the analogy. This isn't original to me. This is uh, one of those outkick guys. Tom Brady's in the Super Bowl, right? This is a Super Bowl for her. Tom Brady's in the Super Bowl. He's winning narrowly uh, over the Chiefs. Second half comes, he says, you know, I'm, I'm, my head's just not right. I'm not coming out. How do you think that would be greeted or, or, or treated? Claude, you first. I would assume it would be because of the way that the, the the way things seem to be going in our country that it will probably be treated as if Tom Brady's a hero for saying he doesn't uh-huh. want to go back in. Oh, I mean, look, now, no, I no. disagree. He, he would be hooted. I agree. Hell? Yeah, I, I, I think that's right. I, I think there is a second, second standard here. But I also think that... I think there's two, two standards. Yeah. Female and a young black woman. Yeah, you would not see this about... Yeah, I agree with that assessment. And I think Claude put his finger on something really maybe even bigger than everything we've mentioned so far, which is the societal move to have feelings triumph over everything else. Oh, I guess yeah, no, getting, I well, well, there was a gentleman in the NBA, his name Tobias Harris, who, you know, was raked over the coals in the NBA playoffs because he caught the yips and couldn't make free throws. I mean, this guy can shoot mid-range jumpers. He's a great player by all accounts. And in the, in the playoffs, he just couldn't make a bucket. No, and you're right. And he, and, and, you know, folks were calling him, you know, he's a choker. He can't get it done. He's not going to be a superstar. And it get back to some anxiety he had about making those shots. Did he remove himself from the game? No, the coach removed him from the game. 
Okay, that's different. Cla Claude put his finger, though, I think, on a big point, and you did too, when you said Claude's susceptible. And I think it's a version of the Charles Murray point that it's not true. Claude doesn't operate that way. Claude does not say, I, I just don't. I was, I was waiting. Let me no, I know, but this is the I'm point. Claude, Claude, no, 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 but this is a big point. When people talk about their feelings, um, they don't necessarily... We don't accept that almost in any other venue. Maybe someone doesn't feel like going to work. That, that's not an excuse. It's about we have, when you enter a, a team sport, something like the Olympics, a football team, you name it, it's no longer I and me. It's all about team and country and group. There's no I and team. The only thing that I, about that is that, you know, from, from individuals uh, that I know who deal with mental health issues or, or you know, accounts that, you know, I may hear, maybe it's anecdotal, is that there are times when anxiety overtakes you and you didn't, you didn't know it was coming. Uh, you, well, you didn't you, plan for it. And so it's possible that she went with all intents and competing. Uh, and then once some things kind of hit, it's like, well, I'm not sure if I'm, you know, but again, I can't relate to it because I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't suffer with those. I don't, I don't right, deal with it. Let's so deal it's, with it's foreign let's to deal, me. Let's deal with some easier ones uh, because I've been watching all these interviews. So this, uh, this shrink was on um, and was talking to the interviewer and said, we got to have great sympathy for her. She made this decision. Now, point I want to make here, she made the decision. She wasn't overwhelmed so that she couldn't make the decision, Claude, just to pick up on what you just said. She made the decision. If you're so overwhelmed, I, you know, it's like she's frozen. It's beyond her power of control. But she said, she said herself, you know, I appreciate the fact that people applauded my decision. So it was her decision. Okay. So this shrink on TV says, you know, let's remember, and here, I'm, you know, I'm getting into deep water, but that um, these athletes like Simone are just like the rest of us. You know what my answer to that is? No, they're not. The hell they are. That's why they're goats. Greatest of all time. They're not like us. All you got to do, any sport you play, is go up against a professional. You know, I mean, I, you know, I, I told you guys when I was at Texas, you know, I played tackle for Williams College. I went up against an orange bowl, you know, tackle from a guard from University of Texas who was 30 pounds lighter. And after a few beers one night, I said, come on, let's go one on one. Before I knew it, I was on my butt. He's not even a professional. <laughs> you know, he has an orange bowl ring, but but he, you know, he played for a first class college. Team. These are, These people are different. And the degree of training, they are not the same. And one of the things they're not the same as, as is they learn to play with all sorts of worries and anxieties. Right? That's one. Two, I used to throw up before big games in high school. Throw, I throw up. I was so anxious, so nervous. I didn't know this option was available to me. I thought I had to go out and play. And so I had to, I had to go and throw up before the game. I mean, the game against Dennis J. O'Connell High School. Give me a break. Okay, I, you know, now... It no, I think, I think that's right. And, and, and I will say this, though. You know, I listened to a lot of her press conference and a lot of her statements. And okay. that is kind of an interesting point you're making, Bill. This is a woman of great lucidity who's not really playing any cards of any no. kind. No. I mean, she's coming off fairly lucid. Now, it is also fair to say that mental health can touch everyone and maybe everyone's alike in those susceptibilities perhaps, but, and maybe she was in a moment of lucidity or the medications, if there are any were kicking in any number of these things could have materialized, but yes, I do have to tell you though, 
of all the scandals coming out of the Olympics, to me, this is the least of them. I, um, I, 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 I agree. Go ahead. No, I agree. There's all sorts of horrible things, but I want to focus on this because this is this touches on large, large issues in our society, as you rightly pointed out in your first answer, Seth. So where do we leave it? We I mean, leave I, it that we leave I, it that you're. Uh, you, me, and Claude kind of have uh, on a linear line. That's kind of the way it falls. Claude's a little more sympathetic. I'm mad at society for finally discovering in a one situation case what we've been talking about for years that they will not extrapolate down the line to others who are more vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And you're, um, you're maintaining a, uh, a good, strong case for what the point of athletic competition is about in the first place. Guys, before we finish with this, tell me if I'm being inconsistent. I defended, what's her name? Is it Naomi Osaka? Yes. When she uh, didn't go to the press conference because she freaks out in front of the cameras and she was condemned. And I said, no, just let her not go and just find the hell out of her. That's fine. There's a, there's a fine. Yeah, we're not giving them, we're not judging them on media training. I, I don't think it's the same thing. As long as she keeps playing tennis. Yeah, that, that's her job. I yeah, can't expect that. Yeah, I'm not, not going to. Yeah, exactly. And Simone's job is to jump, do those bars things. Right. Okay. All right. I guess I'll get mail on this. But, I, you know. Well, ask point, people, what's the limiting principle? At what point do well, I get to say I'm not I feeling want, it today? That, that's what I want to know. Because you know something, Seth? I think this is something you and I have talked about. I think everybody's a little crazy. Yes. You know? Yeah. I mean, and I mean, once once you invoke this thing, it's, you know, it's. Yeah, I don't want to make a mockery over serious mental health issues if this is merely a matter of I'm not feeling it today, which it may be. I don't know. We don't know. We're not told enough here. But if that's the case, um, we're looking at a lot of a lot of red flags in society where what your psych was it a friend of yours who was a psychiatrist you were quoting or a, another psychiatrist on TV, I guess. Yeah, TV. Yeah, yeah on TV. This is the psychiatric, psychological, and sociological defense for every aberration trying to become normalized. Well, my yeah, nine-year-old just... feels like a boy. Oh, okay, we will cut her breasts off in three years. Bill, if I could, I don't think that she is being defended because she's a young Black female athlete. I think it's the mental health thing, and it's the like that kind of thing. I, don't, I think it has nothing to do with her race or, or, or even gender. Claude, on the well, gender, you, you, you still maintain the gender didn't have anything. You think a guy could get away with that? Uh, possibly. possibly. Okay. I remember Michael Phelps has, um, uh, you know, uh, and, and, and even with the, with the gender, I think it depends on what you do. I think football players can't. Uh, anywhere that, where there's this, you know, macho thing with the sport. Basketball players can't. We talked about the, Tobias Harris. I think football players can't. Michael Phelps has kind of gotten it, but he also never backed out of a competition That's because right. of it. That's but he's right. talked about the fact that he's dealt with it. Um, but I think it I, I, has more to do with the with the, the way society is going than necessarily her gender. I would or race. make a distinction. Her defense, no, but the reluctance to criticize her. I think absolutely people are reluctant to criticize her um, because the second you criticize her, if you're a white male, you know, given the world in which we live, Claude, you're, it's, people are going to say, "Well, you know, obviously we know where you're coming from." Let's let's just take this one last step, which is um, the red badge of courage. Let's go to soldiering. Let's go to war. Sorry, sorry, Sergeant. Just don't feel it today. Yeah, I look. Um, I, I'm I'm guessing we're going to see more and more of that, Bill. In, in, it's an in interesting the, thing. Remember in the military. In the military. Yeah, when, yeah. When you and I and Claude 
wanted to, I don't know, hear from the American people. Maybe it was a slow day. Maybe it just some other news stories weren't tracking with the audience. If we wanted to light up the phones like a Christmas tree, you know, remember two topics we could always do were drugs and education. You know what it is for me now? Quoting General Milley, quoting these leaders of the military, particularly the officer class. I get so many calls from retired military. I get so many calls. It's the new, it's, 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 it's the new greatest offense because we wrote in our book why we fight this was happening, and that was 10 years ago. Um, we said the Harvard Sociology Department has invaded the Department of Defense when we were quoting the then Army Chief of Staff after Fort Hood. Yeah. It's, now, it's now suffused so greatly that I suspect you're going to see much more of what you just speculated on in the U.S. military. I suspect a lot of it's going on now already. All you have to do is listen to the chairmen's and the general class and the high officer class, and you hear that, again, it's the triumph of the therapeutic there, not the triumph of the United States. Well, half the platoon says we just don't feel it today. We're mm-hmm. mental, mental problems. We're not going yep. over the hill. Yep. No, no more court-martial, I guess. Yep. Yep. By the uh, way, I think that's the worst the worst case of a lab leak in society. It's this issue of critical race theory that we used to say was, you know, confined and maintained in these pristine and very closed off ivory towers. And clearly that virus has leaked out and suffused into the rest of society and infected it as well. I think that's a far worse viral lab leak than what happened in Wuhan. That's a nice analogy. Um, The lab leak in Wuhan is pretty bad though. Um, especially since we think what could come next. Um, Dr. Leibson, uh, is the country coming apart? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and in what way is it coming apart? Are we cleaved in two? Probably three or four, really. I mean, okay, you... three or four. It's not two. First, explain that. Sure. Well, there's any number of ways one could think of dividing it. <clears throat> you and I once liked Michael Barone's division of hard America versus soft America, but I think the lab leak I was describing has changed hard America. Athletics, the military, <laughs> not hard America anymore, is it? Um, that used to be a way, but I think within the left, you can find two or three divisions. And I think conservatives are probably uh, common sense and conservative Americans uh, constitute one side. I think the, the left occupies about three, ranging from the Marxist to the Democratic to the, um, to the uh, pan- panic pornography industry or the crisis industrial complex, if that's a better way to put it. Uh, I got this from you. Again, the doctor learning from the patient. You put it something like, you'll correct it. Take the Civil War, the worst cleavage in American history until now, certainly more bloody lot more bloody. Uh, You had a pretty decent sense that a student in Ohio was probably reading roughly the same thing as a student in Manhattan. Um, Now there's no chance that that's taking place. And what they're both reading is a version of what the Confederates would have written, which was that the founding of America was based on the slavery basis. And that's the tremendous irony the entirety of the left has swallowed hook, line, and sinker the interpretation of the founding that was given to us by Jefferson Davis and Alexander Stevens. There was another side here back in the 1860s. It actually was more Americans, actually more soldiers, and it actually won. And it didn't believe that the American founding was based on the, on the extension of slavery. 
why am I going in that direction? I'm going in that direction because that's how divided we are. Those are things we used to know in this country. That was the cleavage then. Nobody accepts that understanding anymore. And we are far more divided. We were divided on one big awful thing in 1860. We're now divided on 25 to 30 awful and great things, including, including the very question of whether someone can be born a boy or a girl. Uh, name some more. The question of whether someone can be born a boy and a girl. The question of whether someone should be able to define for themselves who they are. The notion that children need to be um, taught that it's okay at the age of uh, five and six to question your gender, that children younger than that, age two and three, because uh, Ibram Kendi now has a Netflix special teaching this, that children are born inherently racist and have to be taught that they're not. This is an upside down. This is a change. This is a conversion from everything we knew. The idea that separate can be equal. We've we've overturned Brown versus Board of Education and reinstituted Plessy versus Ferguson, self-segregation, the notion that um, skin color can determine thought. We thought we ended that notion in 1945 in Nuremberg. That is now the defining notion, not only in education and Hollywood, but in the media. I suppose I could go on and on and on, but you look at everything we used to know 10 years ago as a society, and there is no agreement on those basic principles. And by basic principles, I mean basic. Is government, uh, the present uh, government administration, uh, widening that cleavage or trying to close it? Well, it's widening it. And it's widening it in the sense that more and more conservatives, more and more common sense Americans, perhaps even disaffected Democrats, more and more of them feel increasingly isolated from this country, almost as if they wake up reading a newspaper about a country they don't recognize. What's interesting about it is the, the, the authoritarian personality that, that dominates the left and the progressive movement in this country. They're just simply trying not to repair it, but to eliminate it. Their idea of uniting the nation is not to bring in conservatives or common sense Americans or disaffected Democrats. It's to silence them and make them untermenschen, beyond the pale, not having a role in society. You see this from the July 6th hearings. You see this from the kinds of descriptions conservatives have been subject to, trying to make us, um, trying to make us fascists, Hitler, worse than Hitler, unfit for office. Did, did uh, you hear? An insurrection against the country. So their idea is to make us one country all left. But I think conservatives are looking around saying we just don't recognize this country anymore. Okay, uh, back to the earlier discussion. Is it, is it ironic that anybody can pull a mental illness, mental illness, and you're excused? And here we have this walking, talking example of lack of mental wellness in the leader of the free world, uh, and people won't identify it as such. I mean, the guy is obviously, we used to say, senile. Well, he's certainly non mentis, right? I mean, yeah, I think so. Even Jen Psaki says we try and limit how much time he has in the microphone. Nancy Pelosi herself is on, on, a, on a Zoom call saying we don't need to hear from the president as politely as she could muster that. Who says that kind of thing? I remember, I'm, not, I'm old enough to remember a year ago when it was the major media trying to silence Trump because they didn't like his clear and consistent message. <laughs> They're trying to silence yeah. Biden because they can't put up with defending his incoherence. Yeah. 
How does this come out? Um, I, I still am not clear on the four parts of the division. Um, can you can you delineate those a little more clearly? Sure. And I said it while I was thinking, which is always dangerous. I hadn't thought it through tremendously. But I think there's a common sense America, mostly defined by self-described conservatives. And I think after that, you get about three, something like three other parts. You get the kind of Democrat Joe Lieberman is, perhaps, and Alan Dershowitz. And after maybe maybe Thomas Frank. After that, we have a hard time counting. Oh, gosh. Oh, yeah. And Harold Ford. And that's it. Forget Her- it. Harold, Harold Ford, Ford may be the best of them right now. But, well, among them, yes. Yeah, but you're, there are about 10 of them. There's about 10 of them. But what's interesting is they do represent something that I found taking calls during the election, which were an, a very sincerely led group of self-identifying Democrats who really, really thought Joe Biden was the moderate answer to Trump and Bernie Sanders, really, really did, and just hadn't kept up with what the Democratic Party had been up to over the last 15 years. Okay, I think that's fair. And do you think there are a million of them or 10 million? Yeah, something, something not insubstantial, maybe even more, maybe even more. Okay. I mean, I heard a Cuban American yesterday on some audio talking about how mad she was after voting for Joe Biden because he promised the Cuban Americans so much. And now she thinks he's a communist. Again, welcome to the party, pal. You, you just didn't understand where the Democratic Party had been the last 20 years. Um, so she had buyer's remorse. I think that that's a pretty big group. And then you have um, you have those who truly think AOC speaks from Mount Olympus, who really believe the agenda that Ilan Omar and Bernie Sanders promote. I think that's very strong and growing. Is that 10 and, million? Uh, it's, it's hard to estimate because the money may be bigger than the than the people. Is it big enough to get her to defeat Schumer in New York? It's a damned good question. It's a damned good question. And it's going to put her in an awfully bad position for everyone who thinks the Democratic Party of Joe Biden is the moderate answer to Trump or AOC or Bernie Sanders. I remind them that AOC, Rashida Tlaib and Ilan Omar and Ayanna Presley all had primary opponents last November who were moderate. Nancy Pelosi endorsed the incumbents, the socialists, and the NDCC sent the incumbents, the socialists, the money. So my point is it's, it runs far deeper into the mainstream when you look at what they're willing to endow, what they're willing to support financially and from an establishment perspective. I, I think she could. Anyway, okay, now I got it. So I got two groups clear. Harold Ford Democrats and AOC Democrats. And then, the and, and, and then those, those that don't think there's anything wrong with any of that, those who kind of are apolitical, but think of a 40-year-old parent in a suburb whose nine-year-old comes home with a note saying, we are now going to study the works of Che Guevara and uh, you know go down the list of the critical race theorists, heroes, and we will be dispensing with uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, on and on. And the parent looks at the letter and says, oh, okay, that sounds like a good idea, given, given the times we're in. 
All right. So Harold Ford Democrats, AOC Democrats, and indifferent, oblivious Democrats. Yeah, maybe one more. Those willing to endorse the AOCs. There's an awful lot of elite money, as I was saying. Nancy Pelosi, the NDCC. Maybe that's. Oh, I think that's the AOC Democrats. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. We agree on nothing. Those those groups agree on nothing, and those are the major political divisions in America. Of those of those four, this obviously the largest is the first. Correct. A majority. Well. Let me just say this. Let me revise that answer. I don't know that the largest is the first one. I think it's the most... By the way, in that first one, does does that include middle-class Black people? Well, let's talk about... Middle-class Hispanic What are you using as the first category? I lost track. Conservative. Yeah, it may not be the largest. It may not be. When When you put together the other slices to this pie, the other three or three other groups to this pie, I think it's larger. I mean, I... When you think of institutions, officer class... No, no, the largest single group. Yes. It is. Yeah. When you put together the other three, maybe not. Maybe not. 60, maybe 40. Not. The first, and the first is probably getting bigger by the day. And I think the uh, latest, uh, the latest uh, statements from this administration on COVID having to do with vaccinations and masks, I think it's pushing people into the first category. Let me give you an example. I think a year ago, if someone said Larry Elder should or could be the next governor of California, they'd laugh about as hard as someone would laugh if someone said a year ago, Andrew Cuomo will be called upon to resign by Chuck Schumer and, and Kristen Gillibrand. Uh, well, by the way, they did call on him to resign. seems to make no news or have anything to do with anything. But I think Larry Elder, as a result of what has happened in California has been pushed into a place where he could be the next governor of California. And I think it's actually more than likely. I think it's probable. By the way, that's two. I understand that's two votes. Claude and I were talking about this. That is one is yes or no on the recall. Right. It's as simple. He's in or he's out. And then there's an election. Well, it's it's on the same day and at the same moment. That's right. So yes or no, keep Gavin Newsom. If, 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 um, if recall, if recall, if the nose play? have it, if the yeah. nose have it. Yeah, if the nose have it, who would be your first choice? Good. And, and, and Gavin Newsom is not on that list. And, and first choice, and, and does that go to a runoff or does it just No, 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 you can get, so, so if Larry Elder, say, has 15% and someone else has, and Caitlyn Jenner, let's say, has uh, 14 oh, He's got 18 right now and the yeah. next person has 11. I think. Yeah, so he's in, he's in. I happen to think all the other so-called Republicans or self-identified Republicans ought to get out of the race and endorse him and stock the state for him because I think he's the only chance and everyone knows it if they can get over their egos. But this is now a probable outcome. I think that wasn't true a year ago. But you think this conservative group is growing? I think I think people are being pushed into it. I mean, there's an awful lot of apolitical waiters and, and restaurant owners in California I've seen interviewed who have nothing nothing but uh, spite for the democratic party that gave them their bankruptcies. Well, I, I, here's, you know, take your, pay your money, take your choice. But I said last night I had, I was on Fox and they, you know, what's tomorrow's news headline. And I said, well, it's a little bit of an exaggeration, but uh, here's tomorrow's headline. Biden and CDC uh, have made a decision. Everyone must be masked at all times, everywhere in any environment. Uh, at home, in bed, while eating, drinking, smoking, underwater, wherever, everyone must be masked and vaccinated. But 180,000 people a month coming across the border, 
no problem, no check, no bother, do what you want. I mean, isn't that the most outrageous thing to ever happen? I get worn out saying this is the most outrageous thing. And if Shakespeare were alive, he would say, you can't say this is the most outrageous, right, Bill? I mean... You can't say the worst as long as you can say it's the worst, yeah. Yeah, I... uh I, I am amazed by that. I am amazed that the day after Joe Biden says we now have to mask indoors, he does an event at a uh, truck building company in Pennsylvania yeah. circulating without masks. Uh, he is the worst offender of the mask use when you see him take it on and off, fucks with it with his hand. Anyone who watches him for mask advice would you know, be appropriately uh, looking at a video how not to use a mask. Uh, so there's all that problem in the first place, but there's a much bigger problem. There are several much bigger problems. The tyranny is part of it. But also, can you blame the American people for not wanting to trust a government that has been wrong on every major element of this disease? And not just wrong, but diametrically 180 degrees obversely wrong on the very things they tell us. I saw the Secretary of Defense land in the Philippines today with a mask and another facial covering. This is the tip of the spear of the United States of America. Secretary of Defense, double masked and vaccinated outdoors. Um, Have we, you both seen or did you or did you send me, Seth or Claude, that recruiting thing for the Russians? The video I'm talking about shows this Russian soldier in training and it's real rush. Right. He's doing push-ups and this. And then he's learning the rifle and how to set it. And then he's in a, and then he's jumping out of a plane. And then he's, you know, rolling up his parachute. And the, then the American video, which is a real video, is, begins with a girl who has two mommies. Yeah. Oh, this was and the David Rubin uh, video. Yeah. Yes, the David yes. Rubin. That's it. Yeah, that, that's it as well. Yes. Yes, we have the CIA and the military now recruiting as if, uh, as if they're recru- recruiting, for, uh, recruiting for some social liberal or left-wing social organization, talking about their you know, gender choices, their sexual preferences, and uh, how welcoming, um, how welcoming the military would be for them. It's, it's not what our enemies care about. And it's not what they're doing. All right. So are, are we going to be saved? We're going to save ourselves. There's going to be a civil war. Uh, you've heard my lines before. Uh, the antibodies are kicking in, you know, uh, the American capacity for self-renewal. Is all that happening or not? Two signs of the salvation of the Republic. We will get one this year and one next year. The one we'll get this year is whether Larry Elder becomes the next governor of California. The one we'll get next year is if Ron DeSantis uh, uh, is increasing his lead across the nation as the spokesman for the Republican party and ultimately becomes the nominee of our party and wins the election. Is he the leading spokesman right now? I believe he, uh, in, 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 to my mind, uh, he is the most credible publicly elected Republican in the country. I don't care about your mind. No, of course I care about your mind a lot. But is that the view of most Americans or is it still Donald Trump? Well, I, that's, that's, that's a very fair question. And I don't know the answer to that. I think you're seeing, obviously, uh, a, a little bit of crossover, a little bit of a Venn diagram. But if you look at the polls, you'll see DeSantis as a choice is pulling up over Donald Trump as a choice. And quite frankly, that's probably right. Claude, what do you think? I think you got two fairly, fairly pessimistic guys, but hopeful in the two of us. Are you more hopeful? 
Uh, you know, it, it's funny because we talked about this for the uh, you know last few weeks on, on the show, uh, and I do not find myself more hopeful than I've been in the last few weeks. I just, I mean, Seth said it, and you know, you said it. You know, we're so divided on things, and there's, you, you would assume on as Seth said, some foundational things we could find agreement. It just seems like we're quick to disagree on on, on things that are easy to find agreement on. I mean, I'm not. I want to be. I just, I just don't. I don't. I don't. I don't see it. I don't feel it. Yeah, I, you know, I was kind of persuaded by that um, Asian lady. I don't know what country, Cambodia, maybe Vietnam, uh, at Loudoun County. I may be wrong. Maybe wrong about country, maybe wrong about board meeting. In the front of the camera said, well, first they start by renaming the streets and then they take down the statues uh, and then they change the reading for the children. And that's where I'm saying stop right now. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? You've seen that lady. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, but and, and, and again, you know, I, I tend to agree with Seth where if we are going to find any hope and there's going to be any change, I mean, it's in common sense America. And I think there's more common sense America then there is the loud bunch, but the loud bunch are loud and they're visible and common sense. America, I think tends to kind of go with the flow as long as what happens close to home stays pretty much the same, but there's a thin line between everything changing and close to home staying the same. People talk about Trump's, you know, voting and people supporting Trump and slight increase in black America. Supposing Ron DeSantis were the candidate, would you, would you see more or fewer or same? Blacks voting for Ron DeSantis. I would see fewer. Okay. Hispanics, uh, any guests? Claude, uh, Seth? I agree with Claude on Black Americans, uh, 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 by and large, not giving the votes to DeSantis that Trump achieved for a lot of, I think, cultural reasons. But at the same time, I also believe the Hispanic American vote would dramatically increase with a Ron DeSantis over a Donald Trump. I believe the way uh, Florida is constituted constituted, and I believe the way Ron DeSantis speaks, but most importantly, um, his positions having to do with, uh, you know, Cuban Americans and the country of Cuba, I would think that Ron DeSantis would highly increase his Hispanic voting. By the way, if all my lottery tickets come in and you had a DeSantis elder vote, I think Claude's answer changes. Oh, if you had a I'm sorry, a DeSantis elder. elder ticket, a DeSantis elder ticket. What about a DeSantis Scott ticket? Scott. Yeah. Oh, Tim Scott. Um, South Carolina. Eh, the, prob- no. the problem is maybe what I just said. Mm-hmm. I had to be reminded of who we're talking about. That may yeah. Be a problem. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's Scott. Yeah, well, because there's two Scotts, too. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I just even, I wasn't even thinking of those two. Who's the second one? <laughs> yeah. Who's the one I was supposed to be yeah. thinking? And, he's, and he's, 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 he's not seen the way you would hope yeah. he's seen as in the Black community. Right. Larry Elder has a better touch, is, is more in touch, I think, in that community than, than mm-hmm. Rick Scott for a lot of reasons. You like him a lot, admire him a lot. I think he's the best thing to come to the Republican Party since Ron DeSantis. Mm-hmm. All right, Doctor, I want to finish up my hour I'm paying for here by asking you an unusual question for a patient, which is I've told you my problems. You've given me some very helpful guidance and answers. Uh, what problem... Should, should I have or should I have spoken to that I didn't? I have to tell you, I'm a little maybe slow to this. Maybe faster than some because three years ago when the National Geographic put it on their front cover and dedicated a whole issue to it, put a nine-year-old transgender child yeah. on their front cover. And I was, I was going gangbusters three years ago, but maybe later 
than others who are ahead of the curve on that. Um, I am amazed how fast that movement has achieved the social and cultural and psychological victories it has, not only in the professional institutions, psychology and psychiatry, but really, really throughout the rest of uh, elite culture and increasingly down into non-elite culture. Uh, I, 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 I have a hard time understanding where this is coming from, uh, quite honestly. So it's harder to address, but I think it may be the biggest issue this society has been unwilling to confront directly, honestly, candidly, and with what Claude was referring to, very strong doses of common sense. I think yeah. this movement, if, if we don't stand up to this nonsense, you want to talk about mm -hmm. mental health problems, there aren't enough Bellevues in the country to deal with what we're going to have to deal with. Well, again, it's, uh, I'll be member Simone Biles. I was saying it's not so much criticism of her as, as the audience standing ovation. You remember Peggy Noonan's famous thing about, you know, it was, uh, you know, the graduation when the pregnant girl not only attended graduation, but when she walked across the stage, got a standing ovation. Peggy Noonan wrote 20 years ago, you know, that's when civilization fell down, uh, collapsed. Remember that, Seth? I do. Yeah. So what you're saying is tolerance became acceptance, which became strutting, strutting. Yeah. yeah. Now here, here, here's the story. Mrs. Bennett was with three Republican women, Bush types, and um, four. And one was saying how at this little school uh, in, uh, in, out in Chevy Chase, the teacher gathered the four-year-olds and said, what are we today, a boy or a girl? What do we want to be today, a boy or a girl? And, and then she laughed. She said, yeah, so interesting. And Lane immediately reacted and said, my God, that's horrible, horrible. Um, the first person's reaction, not interesting. The second person's reaction, Mrs. Bennett, not a surprise. The thing to me was the other three women, the three Bush women who had nothing to say. So that's the parent I was describing, the hypothetical parent I was describing, whose nine-year-old comes home with a note that says okay. tomorrow we're going to study gender. Oh, rules. I got you. I got you. They're not necessarily Democrats. They could be Republicans. Too. Yeah. And they say, oh, that sounds like a good idea. I've been reading a little bit about that. Yeah. The massively indifferent. Okay. Yeah, the massively indifferent who are per, whose only opinion is that which the New York Times or CNN has, you know, floated around. Oh, that the sounds like a good idea. Yeah. So that's that's when the walls are falling in. When you can't react to that, you destroy. I seems to me you destroy gender. You destroy, you destroy the, this whole thing. It's called nature, right? The N-word that no longer can be spoken of, which is sort of a tragic thing when you consider the fact that this country was founded on the notion of a natural law. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Claude, now your question to Seth. Yeah, the January 6th commission. I think we talked about this, Bill. You and I may have discussed this. Okay, you want to form a commission? We want to do this stuff. Okay, so once we find out whatever we're going to find out, what's what's the point? Seth, you had made mention that you wanted to get a few minutes in on this uh, when you came on the show. So, yeah, no, let's talk about it. January 6th commission, what are we doing? It's interesting. Um, John Hinderocker, uh, who you all know from Powerline and you've had on this show, um, is an occasional guest host of mine. We, I had him on as a guest. And we, we were disagreeing a little bit about the January 6th commission or not. Um, he thought it would dissipate into nothingness and we shouldn't pay too much attention to it, that most Americans see it as a, as a fraud. 
And I was saying, well, aren't you a little bit worried about the, the subheading in the textbook that will be written five years hence that says a large group of Donald Trump supporters violently tried to engage in an insurrection against the government. And when the Democrats tried to hold hearings on it, the Republicans wouldn't even appear. Now, are you not worried about the narrative that comes out of this? And, and, and he, 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 he more or less was not. I'm, I, I pretty much am. And I think what's taking place in these January 6th hearings uh, embraces almost everything we've talked about this hour, mostly the attempt to make all conservative Republicans intermention beyond the pale white supremacists who have no right to have any, anything like a key to the White House, much less a key to Congress anymore. Uh, Nancy, um, Nancy Pelosi said this was a white supremacist attack on democracy. Kamala Harris has said that democracy was prevented from taking place as on the same day she stood up and applauded Democratic legislators from the state of Texas who fled the state's jurisdiction so as not to constitute a quorum that members of the legislature swore to uphold in their state and, and federal constitutions, depriving the majority rights and democracy of all Texans, she stood up and applauded them as they infected the rest of Washington, D.C. with COVID, though they were vaccinated. I, um, I, I, you know, the, the, the disruptions to democracy that took place last year could not be talked about. They led to $2 billion worth of damage and over 30 deaths. This was nothing like that. Nothing at all like that. This was a ragtag group of, uh, of anarchists, some probably with a lot of severe mental illness who aren't getting the grace that Olympians get. And, and, and they are used as a template for the entire Republican and conservative movements. And I think we need to be very, 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 very concerned about this. It didn't start with the commission. It started long before that, but if you needed a tell, just look how sincere they are when Nancy Pelosi will go even so far as to tell Republicans who can and can't represent them. Okay, a question though, uh, in, in, um, maybe in support of Hinderocker, although I, I worry about this thing for all the reasons you cited. You said earlier you thought that first group, uh, which you call conservative America, was growing. Uh, continues to grow even with the January 6th hearings, will continue to grow even in five years with the history books? Yeah, I think it grows in spite of January 6th. I just don't know if it gets enough attention in the media or if it gets enough attention for fellow citizens to know they're not alone. Jesse Waters was making the point the other day that the problem of amplified left-wing thought is exacerbated by, the so by social media so that you tend to think there are tens of millions of people who believe in the weird theories of the progressive left when it's really probably about a thousand of your friends refeeding loops to each other that make it appear much smaller. But what the elites do say does matter. And if they're making it harder and harder for some to someone to raise their hand and say it, they're a conservative or a Republican, and if conservatives and Republicans are more and more uh, fearful of speaking out, 
and outsourcing their positions to just podcasts and radio hosts, podcast hosts and radio hosts, then the numbers won't matter, Bill, because they will be so cowed, as I think they have been in the past, from trying to persuade others or trying to say where they are or even going to a rally. Gotcha. Thank you, gentlemen. That does it for today's show. To catch up on previous episodes of the show, go to thebillbennettshow.com. You can follow me on Twitter at William J. Bennett. You can like me on Facebook. Just search Bill Bennett. Feel free to email the show. I'd love to hear from you. It's billbennettpodcast at gmail.com. Please share the podcast with your family and friends. We'll catch up next week. 